to the Boys in the Iceberg, the podcast where we recap Avatar The Last Airbender episode by episode for fans new and old. I'm your host, John Listman, immigration attorney by day, stand-up comic by night, airbender at heart, and I'm joined as always by my co-host. I'm Jeff Miller, TV writer, avid mind wanderer, and aspiring waterbender. We got uh, an interesting one ahead of us. Oh, yeah. Uh, so let's get right into it. This is 11th episode of Book One Water, and it is The Great Divide. In this ep, the gang arrives at The Great Divide, the world's largest canyon. Two Earth Kingdom tribes bicker with each other about how to cross the canyon, having been enemies for a century. Aang helps them cross the canyon together and is able to end the feud by fabricating a story about their ancestors. It's, it's, it's so concise. I mean, truly, uh, what, what good, uh, good says summary. it all right there, yeah. Um, but we uh, certainly had more than that going on in the episode. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's uh, a lot of stories going on here. As, uh, as we often see, the gang starts at their campsite. Katara and Sokka are arguing over how to set up the campsite, with Aang ending the fight and gloating about his ability to solve problems as the Avatar. Breadcrumbs, so, breadcrumbs, breadcrumbs. If, Sorry. I mean, breadcrumbs. <laughs> Micro breadcrumbs within the episode, macro breadcrumbs within the series. It's it's uh, yeah, it's crazy. It's a uh, what's it? It's like a gobstopper breadcrumb. <laughs> so many layers. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, breadcrumb onion. So, anyways, the gang soon arrives at the Great Divide, the largest canyon in the world. Amazed, Katara is. She's so awestruck at the canning, uh, the chasm, and. Uh, Sokka, meanwhile, takes a look and he's done. I'm bored. What's next? Can we fly over it on Appa, he said. And uh, before they leave, however, a man runs up to them and warns them not to leave with the guy. He says uh, angrily that uh, he's holding this spot for the Ganjin tribe until they arrive. While waiting, the Zhang tribe arrives whom the man claims has been an enemy of his tribe for a hundred years. The two tribes' differences are immediately visible, while the Ganjins appear neat, well-mannered, and clean, dressed in clothes of white fabric. The Zhang tribes seem dirty and primitive, dressed in garments of animal skins. The Earthbending Canyon Guide subsequently arrives, prompting both tribes to begin arguing over which should be escorted first. The Zhangs claim that some of their members are sick, while the Ganjin assert that their elderly are weary from the travel. As the two tribes bicker, Katara wonders if Aang is ready to test his role as a mediator. Despite Aang's reservations about the possible success, Katara alerts the tribes of Aang's status as the Avatar, giving him the chance to propose that they all travel together. When the tribes dismiss the suggestion and resume their argument, Aang ends the verbal fight by shouting over the chaos that Appa will carry their sick and elderly while the two tribes cross the canyon together. Conditions to which both tribes agree. All right, so uh, let's go up uh, back to the top there. Yeah. Uh, so just uh, something going back to the tippy top where they're at the campsite. Um, they're setting up the tent and the fight between Katara and Sokka is uh, whether to put up the tarp. And uh, what a nice little allegory for uh, kind of Katara as a Ganjin, if you will, and uh, Zhang, or Sokka as a Zhang. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's a really good uh, way to kind of set up the Great Divide. And uh, my God, dude, what a gorgeous canyon they come to. I... It, it's, it's wild. It's the, 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 the pun work is fantastic throughout, um, especially with the title. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, the Great Divide is also basically a thesaurus alternate for the Grand Canyon. Yeah, which is nice. Absolutely. Um, and and know. just the the you know the the brothers against. I mean, it's just this great you know odd couple pairing. You know, you obviously Sokka and Katara are previewing the differences that we see pretty quick between the two tribes that they're about to encounter. And it's this classic. You know, you got. Even if it's not real, the, the royals versus the peasants, the artists versus the craftsmen, the cultured versus the feral, you know, it's this very different outlook on the world. And 
one has no value over the other. They're both incredibly important for a thriving society and for survival. Um, and yet you see them not valuing the, you know, aspects of the other until they really need it. Yeah. I'm wondering how the, uh, okay, the Zhang, the uh, living in the uh, wilds of the Earth Kingdom, kind of as nomadic warriors, I get it. Uh, the Ganjins, I mean, how do they keep their clothes so white? Let's, let's just start with that. Uh, just, uh, I, I, like, I understand they had this whole, uh, you know, uh, I don't know, elitist, upper-class vibe to them, but uh, it, it, was a, it was a little too fancy. For, for this wild, you know, Grand Canyon. They, they do remind me of, um, it's, it's like the difference of, uh, you know, when, when the hunter-gatherers and, and the foragers started branching off and becoming uh, invested in agriculture and, you know, society started to split into those who would be nomadic and those who would kind of stay put and worry about, um, you know, living more comfortably. And it doesn't necessarily mean that one had more means than the other. It was just that, that difference of perspective. Um, and both needing to just survive, you're right. And, and it's funny, going into this, watching, you immediately assume, oh, this is a class thing. And then you realize, no, these are all refugees. There's no, you know, we, granted, we don't know what they were doing, but there's no reason to believe that one was making more money than the other or anything like that. It's just how they choose to live their lives. And it seems that, you know, the, the, the Ganjins, you know, they, we've already heard them, you know, the, the, the Zhangs complaining about their tardiness and how long they take to clean up and everything. It's clear that they put a lot of stress on comfort and, and uh, um, ease, you know, and they will be willing to ironically put more work into maintaining that sense of comfort, almost elitism, some might yeah. think of it, um, because they care so much about it. Whereas the Zhangs are very blue collar. They're very, you know, it's, it's, it's survivalist. It's, this is what, this is the bare minimum that we need and let's just do it. I just want to eat. Let's go. Yeah, um, absolutely. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's a classic, a primitive, uh, I don't know, primitive sounds judgy. I, I'm just saying like a more, uh, naturalistic i don't know whatever uh clearly they are going for a primitive versus mannered kind of uh tribe conflict yeah it's very it, it almost reminds me a little of like you know pilgrims and indians or natives when they came here or or the way that the brit you know the way that the english viewed um natives in different cultures that they would find and immediately assumed that they were of a lower class, lower intelligence, lower use, lower everything, until someone discovered, actually, no, they were making tools, they had culture, and it was actually ignored for a while until more discoveries were made in the Amazon. Um, uh, the Last City of Oz, by the way, great movie if you guys haven't seen it. Mm. But it's very similar to that. Um, just that, that sense of, of being better than someone because they're not, because they view things differently and they have different values and how untrue that really is yeah untrue i mean always but most i mean so much more untrue here um because like the example of uh you know i don't know the british and the natives of course one was uh, a colonial imperial power here mm -hmm. we're two separate groups of refugees you are both uh lost without a home and uh Somehow, because of the tribalism, they, they still hang on to these differences. Absolutely. Yeah. And tribalism. <laughs> and tribalism. Um, the other thing Starts that I now. noticed, yeah. the, the, the seemingly leader of the Ganjins, mm -hmm. the thing in his hair, I don't know if that was a replica or if he's just really into the arts and culture or what, but that looked strikingly similar to the royal... Um, artifact of the Fire Nation worn by Roku and yes. eventually worn by another character later in the series. Yes. I didn't know if you caught that. Oh, I caught it. Um, and, uh, it, you know, were it not painted white it would, or gold, or if it was red and black, it certainly yeah. would be the exact same thing. Um, 
Yeah, dude, I, it's a good point. So clearly they're refugees. They are not of the Fire Nation. Uh, okay. I think maybe because the Fire Nation has ruled for a century, that's just a, what a crown is. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. e, 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 that's just permeated past the Fire culture into the global uh, culture here. It's, it's my only guess. Yeah. Or maybe I, it's, I'm sorry, another real quick theory is that there's, you know, they're so stuffy that even, uh, oh, I got my fancy Fire Nation crown. Like, I'm yeah. a show off. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's interesting. And, you know, you, you, you wonder, I, and I couldn't tell if they had, like, just recently become refugees, if, it's, if their tribes respectively had been refugees since for, for a while as a result of the war yeah. or not. Because you wonder if, if they have been refugees this whole time, that what what you posited earlier how does one of the tribes have the convenience and and you know fancier items um than than the Zhangs? how do they get those cultural artifacts if they are or do they make them themselves how do they mm. acquire those nice robes it looks like the materials they use on their tents yeah. are, are finer quality i mean i'm guessing if they're both refugees for this long they're probably having to hunt the same kind of thing so what's you know maybe one's hunting and using it primarily for comfort and the other's hunting it primarily for food who knows indeed Um, indeed. well we we will see that they both do know how to get food a little later on um Mm. so uh the gang uh arrives i mean the the canyon guide arrives and then just by the way there's only one canyon day, one time, once a day. Like, like, there. I, yeah. I, if you're if you're in the canyon vicinity, and uh, okay, I get, I guess, I get that earthbenders are few and far between. So it might, in fact, be the only uh, canyon guide. But it's certainly maybe he could do two trips. Uh, there, there were there were other solutions, maybe. It's you know it, it, it's it's a big canyon. Mm-hmm. Um, there are few earthbenders and you don't want to bring too much attention to what's going mm-hmm. on because if you do, you have a yeah. lot more people there. It's yeah. a lot easier to get spotted by the fire nation. No, that's true. If, you know, right now they're almost like they're helping refugees cross and, and escape persecution. You're not going to try to have too many people and attract attention. It doesn't seem this way here because of the way they're moving and seemingly out in the open, but this is essentially one aspect of a sort of, I think, underground railroad, so to speak, mm-hmm. for refugees in this kingdom or in this in this world. Dude, it is. It's. Uh, I mean, I don't remember the plot. Of, all right, but like, it's no different than some of these escape routes in the mountains of Europe uh, during World War Two. Like, yeah, like it, it's whether you were a down pilot or uh, absolutely Jew, the Holocaust. I mean, any number of uh, people fleeing at that time. Mm-hmm. So. Um, yeah, you know what? Maybe it's better that it's not a tourist attraction with all yeah. these uh, earthbending guides. Um, but the canyon guide is there, and he warns them not to take any food. His only request, I mean, you're going to hire this guy and not listen to the one thing he asks. Uh, why? Because the food affects or attracts dangerous predators in the canyon. The two tribes, the gang, and the guide begin their descent into the canyon. After the guide breaks a rock shelf so that potential Fire Nation soldiers can't follow them, a canyon crawler assaults them. Aang and his friends fend it off, but not before it attacks the guide, breaking both of his arms and rendering him unable to earthbend. With no other earthbenders in either of the groups, Aang realizes that they are now imprisoned in the canyon. Both tribes begin to argue again and finally decide to split up. As the tribes each blame the other for the attack, Aang furiously orders them to separate and travel in two separate groups. As they divide, Aang, curious as to why the two factions hold such animosity toward each other, asks Katara and Sokka to accompany the Ganjins and the Zhangs, respectively, to try to discover the reason for their feud. All right. Uh, good thing that they had an earthbending guide there. I'll tell you that much. Oy, um... Good or was it? Yeah. Too bad they didn't have another earthbender or that Aang's still so early on. Yeah. Tough for the gang, good for the show and for the plot machinations. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, you know, yeah. but uh, those, those can, first of all, those canyon crawlers, again, like the, 
um, Unagi. If I were a kid watching this show, I, 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 maybe it's just me because I'm a little arachnophobic. That would scare the bejesus out of me. No, dude. That that thing coming in the shadow is straight out of a horror movie. It is, dude. And is. The animation is sick. The, uh, I mean, it, it, fine. There's one, but then later there's more. I mean, it's, I know. it's really, uh, and that they can smell you from the food. Like you, you can't even uh, hide. They, they can sniff you out. It's a, uh, it's really a scary thing. It's it's funny because I'm just now realizing the similarities to a character we're going to meet next season mm. in terms of you can't really hide because they can smell you. Mm. Um, yes, yes. And, uh, or multiple characters will meet next season. But mm. um, also just the allegory and, uh, of, of this food and it's asking so little of someone to keep the general population safe <laughs> and the freaking relevance to today. Oh it's my like, God. All you have to do is not is wear a mask and the coronavirus won't get us. New York figured it out, but nobody else can. Uh. All you have to do in this canyon is not have food. Because, you know, you, you think about it, it's like, well, yes, but later on you find out that it's a good thing because it helped them. But would that have ever happened in the first place if you didn't have the food? Did that yeah. first attack come because of it? What's going on? And it's just like, mm. again, it's that selfishness. It's, I mean, in this one, it's a little bit, you know, it's easy to laugh at somebody and, and, and call them out for not being able to go one day without food. But look around our especially in our country um in most places there are people who have to go without food and then there are others who couldn't who you know you'd love it if they could just spare a little bit mm -hmm. to help and they refuse and they just waste it you know what i mean like people it is asking kind of a lot to some but it's also you know the greater good and, and why where does narcissism end where <laughs> yeah um Certainly not at the White House. Okay, right, bringing it back to the Avatar world because yeah, I mean, great allegory—the food to the masks during a pandemic. But uh, I don't want to get. I'd, I'd like to live in Avatar world for a few more oh, moments, of if, if I may. No, no, no. Yeah, I just meant like. Uh, no, you're you know, right. This was 15 years ago. They had no uh, idea what was going to happen. It's so true. It's so true. Um, okay, so uh, the Earthbending guy—he's so powerful, dude. Like he, the way he, that whole like slide landslide basically with his like upper body strength he's able to uh, slide it off yeah. um at no point did anyone in the gang think to ask for any earthbending training at all like sure i mean obviously the entire season's mission it's to get a water bending uh instructor but uh ang doesn't know Toph is coming for him in a year in a three months ang what what a missed opportunity to get an early earth bending lesson. Why does there have to be an order to the bendings? Why can't it be a mix? That's a point that's going to come up in a couple episodes, I believe, mm -hmm. if not this season, the next, but also, you know, there, there are other elements to it. A at the beginning, they were only thinking about getting across the Canyon mm -hmm. and the importance of this guy B, like you just said, why aren't there more in the meantime, there's only one guy True. and you're not going to, potentially take away the one helpful person here that's helping all these refugees. Um, and also at this point, especially once his arms are broken, mm -hmm. Aang asking for help in any way, all he could do is talk. He can't even demonstrate at this point because of his arms. Yeah. You know, he's uh, kind of a... His arms were broken. I will... Uh, what about Haru? Right. I, I mean, I, I know that we... I don't know if we've seen it already or we're going to see it, but there's... Uh, other forms of earth bending that do involve your feet. It's, it's not yes. just the upper body arm strength uh, form. It, it does involve the feet. So uh, a little, sadly, well, I, I guess this canyon guy didn't learn the feet form would be my... Only uh, he had, yeah, yeah exactly. If only. Uh, you know. Trying to think of what else. The um, Oh, I just, I also love the character. You know, it's it's this... Again, the show is so good at these random like characters that you may or may not see again after this episode that are so distinct and fun. You know, you got this like, right now he's sympathetic, but before that he was just this kooky tour guide who is kind of this local, yeah. you know, it's, it, it, it reminds you of like being out in the middle of, you know, the boonies in, in our country or not the boonies even, but just there's, there's so much open spaces around and, and cool, unique towns and, and small 
town vibes that, that you're getting off this guy and these fun personalities and, you know, he's living out in the wilds. He's just a really fun little kind of creepy guy. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, the, the local creepy, helpful weirdo vibes is yeah. what I put down. I like um, it. And how fortunate that the Great Divide has its own Great Divide for this group <laughs> purpose of walking separately. Like, yes, that it had two, uh, the earth crafted two perfect yeah. lanes with a divider between them. Like yeah. a Orthodox Jewish wedding. There was a divider. On, it's like uh, a Chabad service. You know, yeah, um, it was excellent. Uh, there's, uh, okay, one thing I do want to mention before we get to the uh, tribes that night. Um, the earth guide, uh, who, by the way, building on your uh, kind of folksy guide kind of theme, had like a nice uh, twangy banjo theme, like when he's guiding them through the canyon. That was just so perfect and really echoed everything you were saying. Uh, he mentioned that the canyon was carved by spirits, okay? Angry at farmers who didn't provide a sacrifice. Now, uh, as far as I knew, uh, there were no earthbending spirits. I, I actually thought it was that it's animals that carved or that the masters learned from the animals. It's, it's, it's really the only mention of earth spirits uh, outside of, you know, Katara spirit world proper. Uh, I'm trying to think if there are, I never really, just when he said it in the valley. I know, I, I know. I'm trying I, I to think if there are. By, by nature or an animal was what well, I, I, I. I'm wondering if the spirit animals are really beholden to particular elements necessarily. Mm -hmm. I mean, for the most part, a lot of the original benders of all these different tribes and nations aren't spirits. They're just animals or early versions of things. The spirit aspect, I always looked on as a completely separate like there's the world and people and animals and then there's the spirit world and spirits mm. and the avatar is the bridge but the spirits aren't really earth water air fire spirits they're just spirits mm -hmm. who have spirit magic kind of stuff yeah. um so i don't know i also love that i wonder if that's an actual theory if that's just something that he does for you know, shock value to kind of entertain his yeah. guests. Um, it is fun seeing, this is the first time that we've had really any, any hint at Earth Kingdom um, mythology mm. in any yeah. sense, history, True. which is cool. Yeah. Um, kind of seeing a little, getting a little hint of like what, what people believe and how they go about their lives. This is the most we've seen because for the most part, Earth Kingdom residents have all been very kind of stubborn um very much in the in the present doing what they have to do but they're not that spiritual and they're not that you know thought provoking it doesn't seem like they spend a lot of time contemplating this is the first time that we see that there is an entire spiritual aspect of the earth kingdom or of the earth you know nation um which i thought is really cool definitely definitely so, um so yeah the gang uh, that night, both sides, unaware of the conversation of the other group, discuss the use of tarps. Uh, while the Zhangs feel it unnecessary to use them as rain protection during the dry season, the Ganjins dutifully hang the tarps over their tents anyway, reasoning you can't be too careful. Their respective opinions cause Katara and Sokka to sympathize with the groups they are accompanying. Also around the same time, both tribes reveal that they brought food into the canyon against the orders of the guide, justifying their actions by saying that they should not go hungry while the other tribe, uh, which they both believe is bringing food with them, eats. Both tribes soon tell their guests their version of the story behind the feud. Dun, dun, dun. More, we'll, we'll get to that story behind the feud next. Um, Dude, and of people. course, I know people, really. Um, just wear a freaking mask. Okay. <laughs> um, the, uh, okay, so Ang at first really was a believer that he could uh, get them 
to work together or at least get through this uh, divide together. They had at least a common uh, goal, a common, uh, you know, just survival. You'd think that would unite them. Um, But no, he decides better off to uh, keep them equal. And uh, lo and behold, this tent tarp allegory between Katara and Sokka we get why <laughs> we yes. get why they each side with the tribe they're walking with. It's uh, it's funny to see how like-minded. Yeah. These, you know, Katara and Sokka finally like found their people, so to speak, but you know, there, there, there's a couple things here. It's interesting to see again, how important it is to have different perspectives on things and different values in a group in order to progress like well, because when you're, you know, I think that Twitter, like the political environment and all that is very much, again, an allegory. Um, but if you surround yourself with like-minded people and every time you, like everything that you believe, whether it's right or wrong, everyone around you agrees with and believes, it's going to be good for your self-esteem and, and for your, you know, keeping your spirits up. But for your perspective and outlook, it, you're, you're, you're not really going to see things objectively. And there's aspects that other people bring you know, it's important for growth. You, you, you don't learn anything by just reiterating the same points. Yeah. And when you have like-minded people, you'll instead dig into these things and be further and further from the ability to accept a differing perspective or a differing, you know, value. Definitely. Uh, and we'll find out more when we hear the stories. But uh, I'm also, what was the thing you said earlier in the, in the description? I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, certainly well, the stuff about the, yeah, the food, the food thing, thing and the so, tarp thing. Yeah. The food thing is, I mean, again, it's just this, there's this really interesting theory in the field of psychology and therapy, um, about like conflict resolution and making, first of all, that majority of arguments happen because of unspoken assumptions mm. and the most important thing is making the implicit explicit or the implicit explicit i think or yeah Mm -hmm. so just because you assume something you know it's important to ask or make sure that that's what's going on and not just assuming Mm -hmm. that that's the case because especially if you're wrong it can have terrible consequences you know here well we're doing this because they're probably doing this so why should they get to do this and we don't get to do this is a uh, huge justification for bad behavior. I know, dude. It's a great way for people uh, to be themselves that they're that that they're, you know, right at doing it, and then surrounding themselves with like-minded people only validates wrong opinions. Yeah. Um, and this theory that, you know, you worry about an argument coming from somebody asking a question about what they're assuming instead of just assuming it and keeping it buried. Sometimes the argument from not asking and just assuming is going to be way worse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, the terrorists torture people. So we got to torture, you know, it, it's, it's almost like a, um, for cat. it's a race to the bottom. You know what I mean? Yes. It, 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 it really that. is. It's like, uh, all right, we're, we're not gonna, they probably won't do it. So why should we, Oh, so we see they didn't do it. So why should we do this other thing? And really, um, have faith in people, people. <laughs> yes. You know, it's, you know, it's funny. I was watching an episode of South Park yesterday where they build a ladder to heaven. Mm. I kind of forgotten all about that. And then there's that little side sidestep of, you know, I don't remember what was happening in the world that it happened, but like Japan all of a sudden announced that because we were doing it, they were doing it. And we see yeah. that they actual ladder that was like in space. And you're just like, what, why, why? And it's, it's, this, it's this exact thing. It's like, well, they're doing it. We don't really know that much about it, but if they're doing it, there's probably a reason. So let's go. Um, probably military base. Yeah, um, indeed. Indeed. And yeah. Uh, yes. And then at night you hear both uh, tribes tell their version of the story behind the feud. Uh, first, the Ganjins tell Katara of their tribal forefather, an earthbender named Jin Wei who was tasked with the job of taking the sacred crystal orb from a gate in the east to a gate in the west as part of a redemption ritual. They claim that as he neared the western gate, Jin Wei was assaulted by a thief, a Zhang named Wei Jin, 
who stole the orb out of greed. The Zhangs, on the other hand, tell Sokka that it was their ancestor, Wei Jin, who found Jin Wei, passed out on the ground near the western gate. Wei Jin stopped to help the man and was told about the redemption ritual and the orb's importance. Rejecting assistance, Jin Wei asked Wei Jin to take the orb back to his tribe, which Wei Jin did. Upon arriving at the Ganjin's village, however, Jin Wei's tribe arrested him for stealing the orb and imprisoned him for 20 years. Both sides claim that they will never forget the terrible injustice dealt to them by the other. Dun dun dun. This is how, uh, I mean, this is, uh, Palestine. It's, it's Kashmir. I was just going to say. It, it's just... every, uh, land, uh, dispute ever on this planet. Uh, yeah. History's written by the victors kind of thing. And yeah, it's, you know, a hundred year game of telephone and you're right. Cultures, that that have a you know with with rivalries that date back so far that they don't even remember why why they're fighting or if they do they have very differing viewpoints on it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I this is getting very real, but I was in Israel uh, in college on a birthright trip, and they took us to an Arab Israeli settlement. And you know, when you're on birthright, you have because of the conflict going around there, they you you have to travel with four male and four female Israeli soldiers at all times, fully armed and everything. Um, when we went to this settlement, they made the males stay behind because they were afraid. And when we went, they had only the women meet with us as well. And we had our female soldiers, and they had theirs. And it got bad quick. Like they immediately started screaming out, well, we, but, but, you know, and, and explaining the, the differences between the two and where it's coming from. They said, you know, it literally got to, well, yeah, but the book you're referencing is wrong. Our book is right, and it, it was just like it's 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 wild that that can still happen in the fallout from just I don't know if it's misinformation or a deliberate choice to believe the wrong thing or what. And and again, it's like I was sitting there. Obviously, I'm Jewish. I'm 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 in in Israel. You'd think I'd immediately just side with the Israeli soldiers, but I was honestly conflicted. You know, I don't know enough about it. I think most people don't, and they just make an alliance because of what they believe to be the most relevant to them. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you don't, especially when you don't really know the facts about something, it's so easy to just get warped into one side versus the other and become unable to look at it objectively and say, well, both sides have very valid points and this is a much more complex issue than we think it is. It definitely um, is and it's always easier to just face off instead and blame. <laughs> Yeah, and then certainly has been that way for the Zhangs and the Ganjins. Um, Two very, uh, I mean, yeah, dude, again, what what is any different than uh, a religious book for millennia old versus a uh, a 100-year-old tale of two tribal leaders? It's, again, this is... uh, it's just, they, imagine this story, um, uh, 10,000, I mean, well, I don't know, yeah, 10,000 years later, um, if there had never been any sort of intervention or reconciliation between these two tribes, like, like, I, I have no reason to believe it wouldn't have just escalated. It's, it's wild also. I mean, there's, there's so many things and, and we could do an entire multi-episode podcast just, just discussing this, but you know, the idea that just because you find something old, you know, some, some relic of an old time, even if it is writings, doesn't necessarily mean that it's accurate. You know, you, you don't know who wrote it, who put it there, why they put it there. Um, it could be somebody's idea of a cool story. Mm-hmm. Um, other people could have had different accounts. And this episode, again, there's a lot of parallels to um, the Kurosawa film, Rashomon. Um, that's, that's all about multiple points a view of the same incident and how different perspectives can make uh, a, a, an outcome seem extremely different. Yeah, um, absolutely, man. You gotta, you, you don't have the whole story until you've heard everyone's side. Mm-hmm. Um, luckily, 
Aang does get to hear both sides, but more more, more on that later because uh, Aang yeah. has a nice little uh, yeah. resolution of this at the end. Um, yeah. So, uh, all right. Something that uh, we have to talk about. Each tribe has their own, uh, you know, recollection flashback. Um, the different animation styles used to uh, tell these stories were just uh, outstanding. I mean, you Wonderful. get the. Uh, Dude, you get almost like a kind of a noir Batman the Animated Series kind of vibe from the uh, wage-in telling of the story. Like, like you know, it felt like uh, it was dark and that he had this, uh, you know, rough character come out of the shadows and, uh, okay, counteract that with the very fun, playful kind of reminded me of Paper Mario animation style of the uh, Zhang telling. Thank you. Yeah, right. It had that kind of uh, almost like a kaleidoscope of uh, fractally images there. Um, Yeah, it's uh, it. I remember watching it thinking it reminded me of the two different versions of the Sonic the Hedgehog animated shows when we were kids. Mm. Like one was like this professionally drawn Saturday morning cartoon that was epic. And the other was this like afternoon fun show, like after school fun show that was really loose and just fun animation. They were both great, but they were both so different. And this is great. Again, a little bit like Rashomon where it's the different it's the style of the person telling the story. And the mm-hmm. first one is this sophisticated noir um, retelling, this very dramatic telling. And the other is this very kind of scrappy, you know, fun, doesn't take itself too seriously, very almost blue collar-esque telling mm-hmm. of the story. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I think we will, okay. I'm going to do a teeny spoiler. We find out that, um, I mean, essentially, the the story, uh, which has a lot of overlap between the two stories, um, it comes down to, you know, one guy tripped another guy and didn't get the penalty. <laughs> like, like it, 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 yeah, it basically comes down to a, a sports call. But uh, all right, I'll save the sports call stuff. I, 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 I don't know if, if we have time. I just want to talk about the names. You know, I could do that later. It's fine. Um, the Jin Wei and the Wei Jin. Why not? Let's so get into I the did, I did some borderline, um, very rough and rushed uh, Googling, Google translating. So don't, you know, people out there listening, don't hate on me. This is just what Jeff's I got. Jeff's wrong. It's the algorithm. Yeah. <laughs> it's, you know, I don't know if it's perfectly accurate. But what I saw reading it, um, first of all, the word Wei Jin translated from Mandarin means to violate a prohibition, mm. which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, then I, I broke the two out, just Googling them. There are, you know, they, they also both are names of separate Chinese dynasties over time. After the Han Dynasty fell, um, came the Jin Dynasty. And after that was the Wei Dynasty. The Jin Dynasties, you know, there, there was a lot else going on in them. But one of the main things from the Jin Dynasty is scholarship. And the, the, the patriarch of the um, Gan Jin's, name was Jin Wei and uh, Wei dynasties mainly remember, not mainly, but a lot of what they're remembered for is Buddhism and repairing and extending the Great Wall of China. And Wei Jin is the character from the Zheng dynasty. So, uh, you know, again, one's very fan, you know, scholarly and the other's much more craft uh, focused and, and mm. blue collar. Um, and then the word Zhang literally means to stretch a bow, and the word Ganjin means to hurry up. I don't know if that means anything, but that's also just something interesting. 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 Well, uh, yeah, lots to say there. Uh, certainly some similarities between the uh, ancient empires and the uh, feuding tribes in this one. Uh, so meanwhile, while the gang is out uh, camping, telling their uh, origin story or uh, you know, religion, mythology, whatever. Uh, we see Aang spending the night with Momo and the guide, away from the tribes. Uh, when Aang sadly states that getting the two factions to cooperate is virtually impossible, and that the most important issue before them is escaping the canyon, the guide wonders if the two problems are connected. Um, 
so yeah, it's just a nice, uh, nice to get Aang, Aang by himself. You know what I mean? Aang needs a little quiet, a little meditate. He does, it's nice to see him away from uh, the action for a minute there. Yeah, it's um, you know, if 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 Aang's issue talking about the tribes is really talking about Katara and Sokka, which is a little, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But I think, yeah, you're right. It's just the overarching, like, like you said, this is the first time really that Aang has had to broker a peace mm-hmm. between two very divided groups. Very much. Uh, before that, it's been a lot easier for him. Yeah. Um, it's just been everyone versus Fire Nation. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And, oh, whatever you say is right because you're the avatar as well. Um, yeah. It's legit. And, uh, well, all right. That next day, the two tribes reunite and reach the end of the canyon. When Aang asks Katara and Sokka if the tribes might work together at all, the siblings begin to argue, both siding with their assigned tribe. The tribes themselves also begin arguing again, and when Aang tries to pacify them with his belief that harsh words won't solve problems, actions will. Uh, realizing the Avatar may be right, the tribal leaders prepare to fight to the death in order to end <laughs> the feud. Yeah, not the action Aang was thinking of. Aang, uh, angry, uses airbending to separate them. As the people tumble backward, the food they carried with them is discovered. Not believing what he's seeing, Aang scolds the tribe for disobeying the canyon's guide, warning not to bring food, but is quickly distracted by an egg custard tart, uh, since he hasn't eaten in a day. As he speaks, a horde of canyon crawlers attracted to the abundance of food approach the refugees. After an initial skirmish with the beasts, Aang realizes that the crawlers want the food more than they want to attack the tribes and convinces the tribes to cooperate. By working together and throwing bags over the crawlers' heads, everyone's able to mount the beasts and, guiding them with food, ride them up the wall and out of the canyon. All right. Uh, How about Aang's words here? Harsh words won't solve problems. Action will. Uh, It's true. Um, and yeah. it's, it's, uh, it's the big, you know, what those actions are, like what kind of person mm-hmm. you are, what kind of, what do you believe, uh, the appropriate action is? And are you a violent person who wants to see other people suffer? Or do you want, you know, are you a balanced person who wants what's right and what's yeah. best? And in order to do that, you need to look inwardly as well as outwardly. Absolutely. Um, certainly Ang was uh, hoping that the action would be working together to get the fuck out of there. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, um, no. well, I'll go on. No, but, but no, quite the opposite. He had to air bend them apart. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's interesting about the, you know, my, a guy I used to work with, um, had, he, he told me about the inverse ninja theory mm. that I'd never really noticed. But like, especially when you watch like the Ninja Turtles movies or anything like that, you'll sometimes see, you know, or Avengers Age of Ultron was a huge thing um, where like one of an enemy can challenge everyone and it seems almost impossible to defeat them, but it's really, really tough. But then for whatever reason, when there's a bunch of them, it's easy to take them on one by one. And it's Mm. suddenly like this one crawler came out and was able to knock out the, the the tour guide and could you know ang tried to air bend and it just went around the thing nothing happened um here you got a whole canyon full they're attacking everyone and until ang realizes what to do you'd think based on the first encounter that everyone would be like done but yeah. they're all fine and they're able to follow ang's lead and it's just like I, I understand for the sake of the show but it always does kind of like what's what's the deal with that yeah yeah um, what's the know. deal with that? And what's the deal <laughs> with bringing food into a canyon where everything's attracted to food? The one you had, Again. you had one job, you know, <laughs> like uh, really. Um, I love how angry Ang gets, and then how quickly that reaction is turned when he sees that egg custard tart. Uh, the look on Ang's face was the most adorable, cute, hunger-stricken, doe-eyed. I, I didn't know whether to feed him or hug him. And it was a real, uh, one of my favorite, it made me laugh, yeah. It's, it's funny because, you know, even somebody with the, 
the greatest moral high ground of any character uh, in this sh you know, show, except maybe Iroh and others we'll meet later, um, can also succumb to these things when it comes to something that, he pers that, 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 that gives him some personal gain. Yeah. Um, and it's so easy to think that people are just being selfish and unruly um, about the food, and then you realize that everybody's this way, and they're so quick to blame others um, when, uh, of, of, of crimes, I guess you'd say, that they themselves are guilty of. It's like in, you know, the South Park episode with the lice. Mm. You know, everyone's blaming, trying to pinpoint who has the lice. It turns out they all did. Or mm. in the office, you know, who went to the press about the printers. Um, everyone thinks it was like just Andy or whoever, but it turns out, sorry, spoilers. But it turns out everybody went to the press kind of thing. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah, it is. And uh, yeah, luck. Yes. And on that, yes, just like that office or South Park, everyone's at fault here except for Aang and uh, his crew and the guide uh, because the beasts are here. And, uh, you know, first they just try to fight them. They have an initial skirmish, but uh, soon the crawlers, they, they want the food more than anything. And Aang was smart enough to realize that, uh, okay, no, if all they want is food, let's bag up all the food and have them follow it. Yeah. Uh, outside the box thinking for a peaceful resolution. That is Aang at his finest. Amen. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's, it's funny, everybody, it's, it's the old like nuclear argument. Is it, is it inherently good or bad? Nothing's inherently good or bad. It's just how you use it that makes it good or bad. Yeah. Um, nuclear energy can be a great thing if it's used properly or it can be destructive. This oh, yeah. food can be a great thing if used properly and spared and not brought in. Mm -hmm. And there's the argument, yes, it saved them, but was it being there in the first place the reason why the first one attacked? The tour guide, why they obviously attacked later. It's why um, they needed and, saving to begin with. Right. And yet, Aang found a way to make this problem a solution, which is yes. very outside the box. Very, very Avatar-like. Oh, love it, love it, love it. Uh, so, yeah, Aang safely gets the everyone out of the canyon uh, and out of danger. The two tribes then complement each other's ability to take on the crawlers, but subsequently pick up their feud right where they left off and are on the verge of a physical altercation when Aang, upon hearing the names of the two tribes' ancestors for the first time, suddenly pipes up that he knew the two men personally long ago. He begins to tell everyone that he had met them a hundred years prior, though notes that a lot of confusion rose in regards to the details of the story. The men had not been enemies, but eight-year-old twin brothers who played a game called Redemption, clarifying that the sacred orb was just a regular ball that they played with and that the gates were their respective goals. As Jin Wei was running with the ball, he fell, fumbling the ball in the process. Wei Jin recovered it and started running to the other end of the field, though stepped out of bounds and was put in the penalty box for two minutes, not 20 years. He concludes his story by pointing out that while Wei Jin was kind of a slob and Jin Wei was a little stuffy, they, they respected each other's differences enough to share the same playing field. Convinced by Aang's tale, the tribes make amends and continue their way to Ba Sing Se, the Earth Kingdom capital, as one tribe, followed by the guide who expresses his intention to never again return to the Great Divide. All right, at last all is revealed. The origin is, uh, uh, or so we think, uh, the origin story is brought to an end. Um, yeah, what, another great animation used in that flashback, kind of a hybrid of the two from the- uh, Absolutely. Origin mythologies of uh, earlier in the episode. Um, so yeah, what, what, do you, what do we think about it? I mean, yeah, essentially this whole, uh, story was some stupid call in a sports game <laughs> um it's it's amazing that ang you know i guess it's a spoiler we're about to find out but ang again the quick thinking i feel like back to back here and the first quick thinking with the food is outside the box thinking of ang's but i think it's also inspired by having seen Sokka's you know strategic instincts in the heat of the moment in in times of struggle and fighting um, whereas 
the instincts he uses here that we find out soon were, I think, completely his own. Yeah. And it's just this wonderful way of simplifying this to the point of making it so absurd and, 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 and obvious that they can kind of look past their differences and see that it's, it's not important enough to fight over. And also before that, with this attack, you know, I'm starting to call it the ELE theory. Um, you know, we've seen it in Independence Day. We see it in our own society in like the month of April. Sometimes the only way to bring opposing sides together is an existential threat. You know, ELE stands for extinction level event. Um, so like invading aliens would be something that forces people to come together. And it's funny how in those moments when everybody's threatened, you will band together to fight your common enemy. And as soon as that common enemy seems like it's been solved and you're kind of in the clear, yeah. I, get, I, I, I hate to bring the parallel to what's happening now, but like the whole world was united mm -hmm. in terms of the stay at home order. It was frustrated, but we knew that we had to do it to keep people alive. Mm -hmm. And for the month of April, I remember there was very little, like there were some people against it, but everybody for the most part was like, you know what? It's a struggle, but we're going to do it together and beat this thing. And it was, it was one of the first times we saw Everybody, you know, like wars were kind of having to stop. Everybody was just working on staying safe. Yeah. And then as soon as it looked like the numbers were going down and places were reopening, immediately they went back to, they reverted back to the way they were before. Yeah. And similarly here, they band together against this threat. I'm sure they did in the past when the Fire Nation has attacked. Mm. Um, and that as soon as they're in the clear, they're at each other's throats again until Aang helps kind of, make them realize well actually the foundation of our argument is stupid yeah um interesting uh thought you uh put in my head that you are you you were saying that they likely banded together when the fire nation attacked um i wonder yeah i i wonder maybe before they were refugees they were just far apart and didn't have to uh live amongst each other uh it's it's uh you know something you were mentioning maybe even before the podcast was this sense of classism uh how you have these elitist uh you know upper class uh, ganjins and this uh you know middle lower class uh zhang uh it, it, it almost, i wonder how much they had to uh, mix beforehand or if this shared hatred from the uh you know uh mythology the old wei jin versus jin wei story uh kept them apart it's uh it's uh it's stupid either way and they should come together right i mean it's, it's the hbo yeah as, as as important as your prequel series for game of thrones may or may not be yeah i would love a prequel series of avatar the last airbender of the world as the fire nation attack because i would love i mean I, I know it's stupid but i would love to know were they in different classes were they together were they one group before you know and fight against the fire nation and then they became refugees and over time they split into these factions and how it all went down it would be very because if they're you know yes ang's story you know may or may not be true but if they were brothers then obviously they'd be from the same tribe yeah good point and it would happen later so very very true i don't know um as the tribe departs for bossing say Sokka tells ang how convenient it was that he knew the twins to Katara and Sokka's shock, however, Aang reveals that the story was a complete lie. Still hungry, he asks where the egg custard tart is, and they make their way to Appa and continue on their journey. Um, Aang a liar! Uncharacteristic! Uh, in this case, a white lie. Yeah. Is what's I mean, he is a peacemaker. Maybe. He is the mediator. He must uh, flex those muscles. Uh, whether or not he has to be fully honest, I don't know. I mean, you, you wonder, like, if, if somebody who was, like, frozen in ice thousands of years ago came back and was around in the land of Canaan and was, and was found in the Middle East and could bring Palestine and Israel together and explain what actually went down, how funny would that be? Yeah, you guys, um, it, it was a penalty. It wasn't like, a, guys, a death sentence. Oh, real quick, something that I uh, should have mentioned earlier. During this whole, um, you know, Aang telling that he knew the two brothers, playing a game with the ball, not an orb, um, and uh, 
you know, he's put in the penalty box. Uh, did you notice that there was a panda referee? <laughs> that was like, oh, I love that panda. Awesome. Oh, I, I, there's a panda referee blowing a whistle and putting Jin wow. Wei or Wei Jin, whichever one it is, into a jail. And, uh, and so I, I, it was such a silly little fun anime moment. Uh, I loved it, yeah. I, I love that. And now that you point that out, that's now the second time we're being referenced for a joke that's going to come near the end of the second season in terms of every animal in the Avatar world seemingly is a hybrid of two animals. And the yeah. only animal that isn't a hybrid is bear, is, is the mm, bear. Yeah. And now we've seen two different pandas. Granted, one was from a fabricated story, but Aang had to reference it from somewhere. And the actual panda, who's the spirit of a tribe, yeah. it's just the panda, which is a kind of bear. Oh, excellent. So, yeah. Uh, Fuck yeah. yeah. Give it up for those animals. And uh, that wraps up the episode. Oh, my God. What a fun little, yeah. fun little, uh, you know, lie. <laughs> what one, made up yeah absolutely one more thing that i did notice from the two tribes a i don't know if the ganjin are vegetarians or not i know that the one thing that they had was the custard but clearly clearly the Zhangs are not vegetarians they're definitely clearly. meat eaters oh, yeah. and they had a lot of meat and i don't know if they had just left some horror scene but i wondered and and maybe i need to rewatch. i didn't see them traveling with horses or any kind of animals like that okay. a you'd think that for for nomads even if they're not using them for, for for food they're clearly using them for resources and all their you know things um but just even for traveling through a desert you'd think that they'd want to have animals you know we've seen like fire nation soldiers riding horses and things like that um you'd think that they'd want to have animals and maybe they did and they got left behind or they had to sacrifice them or was that another thing that the Fire Nation did to make it that much harder by stealing those, you know, any kind of animals that were owned by residents when they mm -hmm. invaded? Um, and do they just have to get lucky when they hunt? And that's why they're always so hungry and they value eating so much. Yeah. Um, uh, I don't know. Random philosophical question. Random, yeah. Certainly, uh, if you're traveling through the desert, you might want an animal. So, uh maybe they had to sacrifice them um all right we we arrive at this question we we kind of keep coming back to throughout this podcast uh was this one a filler yes why do you say so because aside from crossing a gap and getting a little bit closer mm -hmm. you know they 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 resonated some some values that all our characters share and kind of brought differences to the forefront but in terms of moving the story forward introducing major characters or information or any or the mythology or anything like that you didn't really do that you know a it, it's another episode without zuko so you don't even know what's going on in his side of things but b like yes our heroes and, and, and our main characters learned a little bit more about themselves and the world around them but Nothing about this helped move the story forward in terms of Aang's training, having to defeat the Fire Nation, getting to the Northern, what, anything like that. No real insight, no new insight. It's just yeah. more, we figured out how to help broker a peace between disagreeing factions, but it's not really, you know, anything to do with the Fire Nation or Aang's, you know, journey. Yeah. Um, well, I don't. Yeah, I disagree. I think Aang's. Uh, this is his first test of making peace between two warring factions. Uh, what is the Avatar if not the person who must bring peace to the world? Uh, whether or not uh, it's a uh, muscle or a bending technique or you know a weapon that he needs, it's not part of his training, but. Uh, it's very much part of the mental game necessary for his training. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there, there is something yeah. to be said for uh, we see him do this peacemaking instead of just uh, bonding with the spirit or uh, casting out the latest attackers from the Fire Nation. Um, that's true. He does make peace and that's an important element for him. But again, this particular instance of it isn't really something that 
is reflected in what he has to do going forward. I mean, and here he just smartly used a white lie to get, you know, dis disagreeing factions. Yes, they were fighting at one point, but for the most part, before they met them, they weren't actually warring. They were just staunchly opposed to one another. They, they got through and they were in disagreement and they were, you know, a danger to each other in terms of lying and bringing food. But again, they weren't, they weren't attacking each other until they actually heard. It, it was another, you solved a problem that you kind of started because by Aang saying actions, not words, while at his heart, what he meant was good, that's what triggered them to actually start fighting. So all he did was get, a, the other thing he did was, you know, they went through and the uh, tour guide decided, you know what, forget this, I'm, I'm out of here. I'm not coming back anymore. So now he's also made it even harder for um, other tribes, people, other, other refugees to get across the canyon. Yeah. You know, it was good what he did with the injured um, parties, but he was, it was really just because there was a lot of fighting and it was stupid and he thought it was going to be hard for yeah. the guy to broker the peace to just make it happen. Had Aang and them just got on Appa in the first place and rode and let them figure it out themselves, who knows what might have happened. But, yeah. at the, but, but we know that it wouldn't have probably resulted, you know, it would have just been what it was and everything would have happened, you know, then yep. again, they might have all died in the canyon because Aang wasn't there to stop the crawlers when they because they were going to bring food anyway. I don't know. You're right. There, there's a lot to it. I just feel like in terms of like, you know, you look at the episodes that preceded this, mm -hmm. there's a lot more, you know, not just character growth, but story narrative growth than this episode. You know, the, the, the real filler is like, if this wasn't a part of the series, you know, if, if somebody was watching the show and they missed this episode, would they be lost watching the next couple episodes? Uh, I, don't I don't think they would be. Definitely um, pretty insignificant plot overall. Um, entertaining. Entertaining, yeah. some development for Aang. Um, and, and I think the fans agree with you because according to uh, IMDb, it's the lowest rated episode of Avatar, The Last Airbender. So uh, yeah. very unpopular with fans. Uh, something that we're going to see later on in the Ember Island players, the play there, um, when they retell the journey, the characters just choose to fly over the canyon without stopping, <laughs> That's right. highlighting the inconsequential nature, nature of this yeah. episode. So uh, I don't, you know, I, I liked it. It's, uh, I mean, uh, you can like, I mean, filler doesn't mean bad by any means. It's just whether uh, the yes. plot is the focal point. Yes, is, you know the overarching plot, and uh, it's not just some character development. Uh, Filler, yes. Yeah, uh, it also I, I was... helped build up the anticipation of Bossing Say. Uh, oh yeah. So uh, something to be said for that, and uh, seeing Earth refugees is a new thing. Uh, we had that's those, yeah. Yes, well that that it did it did introduce the 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 ref not not introduce but really let you see and experience the refugee element that's going on in the world that you may not had they not encountered this. Um, and yes, again, just alluding to Ba Sing Se and the other illusion of, not, not illusion, but the other allegory of um, the, 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 the potential class structure and that going on and Ba Sing Se, that how those are gonna meld going forward. Um, and the difficulty of just moving across dangerous gaps to get to where you're going is another theme that comes up soon. Definitely. Um, but to me, yeah, I, uh, yeah, and, and, and again, I think it's important what you just said. Filler isn't a bad, it, it has this weird thing of being a bad word in TV, like mm -hmm. bottle episodes, filler episodes. Are, they're not bad. They just. Well, in this show, they're not they bad. I mean, there's plenty right. of crap there in are the fillers. Some, yeah. Yes, and, and, and a lot of times the worst episodes of series are the fillers, but the idea of a filler episode in and, in and of itself isn't necessarily a bad thing because it, it helps you. Just because you're not growing the story doesn't mean you're not growing the characters. And it, and it gives you a chance to spend more time and, and just get into the nuances that you might not be able to if you have to focus on mythology and moving the narrative forward. Very, very um, true. Which is, which is great. Very, very true. Yeah. Um, and on that note, we wrap up another episode of The Boys in the Iceberg. Uh, tune in next time while we talk about episode 12 in book one, The Storm.
thank you guys for tuning in. And, uh, and uh, Jeff, what's your final thought for the day? Uh, my final thought is attributed to uh, two quotes in the episode. Mm. Um, the first was, well, I guess it's okay if everyone is doing it mm. um, by Katara. And then Sokka later in defending himself for, for, to, to Aang and Katara, I only took their side because they fed me. Um, <laughs> which I think are very true comments and reveal a lot about those two characters. Yeah, and um, the nature of, I mean, foreign uh, politics and uh, yeah. how much, uh, you know, we give an aid to different nations and how it affects uh, sort of our relationship. I mean, it's... It's, quid, it's, 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 it's show literally quid pro, pro. Yeah, uh, exactly. Quid pro, yeah. Um, excellent. My yeah. final thought will be um, uh, Echo Ang's words here. Uh, harsh words won't solve problems, actions will. And uh, Aang is slowly learning that he has to take more actions, as is the world. And uh, with that note, we wrap yeah. up another episode of The Poison the Iceberg. Thank you guys Ooh. for listening. Uh, good night, Jeff. Good night, John. Flamio